and then most recently, my, my father actually just recently passed on March 30th from COVID-19. And, um, and so, you know, grief has just been ever present, um, 14, 27, mm-hmm. um, and now at 35 in my life. And I think that the biggest thing I could say about grief is that I believe that it's, um, you, you never get over it, you only get through it. Learning the skills for, for well-being, um, one of the most important skills we can practice and teach is how can I, how do I fully feel my feelings? Mm-hmm. Permission to fully feel. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Welcome back. Or if it's your first time, welcome to What's Right Within. Rory, we have a really interesting and inspiring guest today. Um, Someone who's carved out her own path and found innovative ways to make an impact uh, in the world around her uh, amongst personal tragedy. Mm. Uh, who have we got? Yeah, today we are talking with Amelia Zivitaskaya. And you may remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the PERMA model of well-being and how there was a V for vitality in that model. Well, Amelia is the person who has put the V in that model. And that really um, speaks to her work and that she's an expert in the field of positive psychology and particularly applying positive psychology to become more resilient and to help other people. And the V for vitality is um, a field of expertise for her as well, because she is doing a PhD in mind body medicine. So she's one of those people who really um, brings a strong interdisciplinary approach to looking at um, how we can flourish as, as people. Mm. And I really respect the, um, the breadth of knowledge that she, that she brings and how she takes um, really good science and has found ways to kind of innovate with that to help more and more people. Um, I know she's a real, uh, a real favorite in the world of positive psychology. Amelia, welcome to What's Right Within. It's so good to see you and connect and have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And I have some background about you because we've met a few times at various positive psychology conferences and um, Canada and other places. But for our audience, um, tell us a little more about what you do and and your background and, and work in the world. I would love to. Thank you. So I am the CEO and founder of the Flourishing Center. Uh, We are a New York City-based benefit corporation here in the U.S., and we've been in business since 2008, offering positive psychology training programs to individuals and organizations, and we specialize in training change agents in the skills that they need to be able to take positive psychology and use it to make meaningful change within their lives and to help them help others. So 
I like to say that I use science to help people help people. Um, and we offer training programs in uh, positive psychology, life coaching. We have a resilience trainer program. We run programs for school teachers to bring this into the classroom and are just highly focused on creating what I call edutainment, where we educate in a way that is um, joyful, that's playful, that's fun, that connects people, but takes positive psychology research and puts it into practice. Awesome. And, and that's one of the things that when I first met you, it was really striking is that you really do embody as a person, what you study and what you teach, you know, in terms of positive psychology. Um, and tell, tell us a little bit about um, your journey into the positive psychology. What was it like growing up for you? And how did you find the field of positive psychology? Oh, thank you. I um, I first found out about positive psychology while I was still an undergraduate student, and I had been really blessed to have found a, a teacher who taught a course that was essentially a self-help course, and it was called Creativity and Personal Mastery, and it was, uh, he was a mentor of mine, Dr. Srikumar Rao, who introduced me to concepts related to well-being and to this idea that we can actually work with our thoughts and our thoughts create our reality and that we could actually do things to increase our happiness and well-being and and to identify what is our purpose in the world and actually use our purpose as our career and so I was just so lit up about the fact that such a that that there were actually people who had careers as life coaches and motivational speakers and I knew that's what I wanted to do and so I thought I was going to become a traditional psychologist but sneak happiness in the back door because the kind of topics I was learning in his classes which I think think at that time would be really considered more like self-help and spirituality were the things that were lighting me up the most. Um, and then I found out I didn't have to be a sneaky psychologist, that a field actually existed called positive psychology, and that people were actually... Uh, scientists were out there studying the types of themes that came up in self-help, such as gratitude and strengths and hope and achievement and goal setting and uh, joy and high quality relationships. And they were actually studying these things. And so I was super fortunate that I got to be a part of the second graduating class at the University of Pennsylvania, which is where the founder of the field of positive psychology was offering this training, Dr. Martin Seligman. Um, so I was really lucky that I got to be a part of this sort of field very early on. But I would say that my interest in, in well-being started, um, and in resilience in particular, had just been following me my whole life. Um, mm. You know, not, not by choice, because life just sort of happens. I, I went through a series of, of life events when I was younger um, and have continued to go through uh, uh, into my adulthood. And I say that positive psychology saves me and, and as I help save and support others in the sense that mm. um, my uh, one of one of those events was that my brother um, had died in an accident when I was 14 and he was 24. And that was like my first major life um, trauma that I was really cognizant of. Uh, my family was also uh, we immigrated to America from Ukraine, where we had left the fall of communism. And um, we I, I lived a couple of hours away from the blow, eruption of Chernobyl. So there was definitely stuff that happened when I was a young child. But I didn't really recur, recall those the way that I did my brother's passing. Um, and when my brother died, he, he died um, swimming at night, rescuing his fiance who had survived while they were um, swimming and my brother drowned. And that 
um, major life adversity definitely kind of put me on the path of positive psychology in many ways because it was, um, it was, it was devastating. It was heartbreaking. And at the same time, I kind of felt like I was in a movie and I kind mm. of had to make a decision, like either I'm going to, either this is going to make me or it's going to break me. Um, and somehow I'm going to use it to make me. Um, and that's kind of what it did and what, what, I did in my life, um, kind of figured out how to flourish despite it all. And so I think what brought me to positive psychology was sort of asking the question like, well, how did I do that? And if I could do mm -hmm. that, can we teach more people to do that, that when they go through difficult shit, which just happens to all of us in life, yeah. you know, how, how do we actually deal with those things so that we're not, uh, so that we don't get knocked down by life that we can get back up. Um, and then a cascade of other life events that have, have come up uh, since then, since my brother's passing, have just continued to reiterate to me that resilience and happiness are skills that mm -hmm. we can learn. That yes, I come into this world with a certain amount of resilience and optimism and perhaps a certain outlook on life, but so much of what I do and how I show up in the world is thanks to training, thanks to mm. my mindfulness training, thanks to my gratitude practices, thanks to my skills. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's so much to glean from there. I mean, you mentioned um, your grief and, and trauma experiences and and what you've done to get through those. Can you can you share some of the healthy ways that people can grieve and, and get through traumatic experiences? Oh, gosh, thank you for that question. Um, you know, grief has definitely become a passion, a knit topic of mine. Um, and I kind of knew that it would be like when I when my brother first died, and I was 14, one of the things that saved me was that I, um, there was a bereavement group at my school. And they offered this sort of once a week support group. It was every Thursday during lunch. Um, and I went to just about every single Thursday bereavement group for a year. And if I hadn't gone to that, um, I don't think I would have been able to process it the way that I would if I didn't have sort of this place where I could just be with other people. And, and I remember thinking to myself that, um, that there's some element of um, that I somehow would hopefully be able to help others because I was going through this experience myself and grief in particular, um, you know, continued to follow me and that I've, I've lost a lot of people very close to me and have supported others. Um, I've, I've been with others, other people when they've, when they've passed or supported others as they were grieving themselves. Um, my mom actually died uh, 12 years after my brother died. So she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer two years after he drowned and she lived and fought that for about 10 years. Um, which is kind of unheard of for ovarian cancer. Most people only live about six months or so um, when they're going through that. And so my mom was a, a warrior. She was a fighter. And and then most recently, my, my father actually just recently passed on March 30th from COVID-19. And, um, and so, you know, grief has just been ever present, um, 14, 27, um, and now at 35 in my life. And I think that the biggest thing I could say about grief is that I believe that it's, um, 
you, you never get over it. You only get through it. And so I believe that our heart has a wisdom when we lose those that are close to us. And that wisdom of the heart knows, um, knows how to let it out. You know, sometimes it just like, it feels like if we were to let ourselves fully feel, like if I were to full, feel the full devastation of what it means to me to have lost my mother and now to have lost my whole family, you know, it feels like it would destroy me. Um, it would just engulf me. And, and it doesn't, you know, and that it comes out I, I, um, it comes out and, and the, the, th when I do feel the grief come up, I feel like positive psychology and my training in mind body medicine has taught me how to fully feel when I feel it. Mm -hmm. And so I can like really let it out. You know, the very rarely am I able to cry for more than just a few minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. like when I really let it out, I feel it and, and, and I'm able to sort of metabolize it. Is that all of it? No, there's, there's a, a mountain of grief that mm -hmm. I will continue to feel in different ways. Like one day when I get married and, and my father can't walk me down the aisle, I will feel mm -hmm. it then. I will feel it, you know, in different different moments in time. And so I think the biggest thing about grief is what we know to be true in positive psychology of all emotions, which is all emotions are human. Mm -hmm. All emotions are signalers to, our, to us about what's happening in our environment. And grief and sadness is about loss. And so it's healthy. And learning the skills for for well-being, um, one of the most important skills we can practice and teach is how can I, how do I fully feel my feelings? Mm -hmm. Permission to fully feel and to actually use um, use that. And I, I work a lot with the body, especially for myself. Like I, I can't access my sorrow through my mind. You know, I can think about I can think about experiences, I can remember things, but for me, I feel like I use so much of my body to access my grief and my sorrow um, mm. as a way of letting, letting those things out. Wow. And Amelia, obviously that's, you know, so recent that the experience with your, your father and we're, we're so sorry, you know, about, yeah. about that. And I think what is so, I got goosebumps when I first heard you share about that because um, it was so evident how you were living all the skills that you have learned in like the most confronting real world situation mm -hmm. and, and how those skills were helping you to navigate it and to show up and to, to be present. And they were also helping you to care, you know, care for your, your dad while you could. And, um, are we able to kind of go one sort of level deeper into that? And just in terms of what you practically did for yourself, you know, in, in those times too. And when it was, you know, say when you struck with that reality, how, how did you utilize the skills that you've learned? Yeah. So I've, a lot of that is very, front and center in my mind, uh, even just most recently with my father's passing on March 30th, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to die in our modern world any day of the week, but in particular during a pandemic, it was particularly, um, I, I call it fascinating, but that's my code word for like effing fascinating and difficult. Um, so in New York City, when when he got when he got diagnosed when he got it it was um it was a tuesday and it was really admits when all the levels were just spiking in new york and you heard sirens in new york city and in queens in manhattan um kind of round the clock like every you'd hear a couple an hour at times um we had people dropping like flies uh, i knew that the hospitals were overburdened and overtaxed and when i called my dad to check in on him uh on a thursday evening and i could hear that he was 
gasping for air already. Um, and he told me that he had, he was supposed to stay quarantined and supposed to stay in the house. Um, he told me he went out on Tuesday. I knew that, um, I knew he had it mm. called for, you know, 911. And if I sent him to the hospital that I would probably never see my dad again, because my dad did have pre-existing conditions. And I knew that our hospitals were already just so taxed that he would, you know, he, he may not get the care that he needed. There weren't enough ventilators. There was a shortage of morphine uh, throughout the whole tri-state. Um, and so I made the, the difficult decision, but I knew it was what my father wanted. Um, and I asked him, you know, do you want to go to the hospital? And he said no. And so I knew that I would keep him at home and that either his body would fight off the coronavirus um, naturally, or I was trying to get a doctor in to come and support me. But we knew that, you know, there was no, there was no drug for coronavirus, that it was, it was just going to be experimental um, anyway, that they would sort of try if they could to do something. Um, but the, like I said, it was already such a burdened system that we had in our hospitals. Um, so I decided to keep him at home. And the, it, for, from when I got to him to when he passed was four days, um, four really, really painful days, um, but also four days filled with um, moments of beauty and moments of support. Like I was able to find this blessing of a doctor who actually came to the house for us to be able to get some oxygen, uh, co oxygen concentrator and a little bit of pain medicine for him to kind of help him pass. And there's a, there's a skill that I, I teach within our positive psychology programs for how to deal with our brain's need and desire to judge. Mm. Our brain goes to these places of judgment and, um, you know, it goes, you know, this is going to happen or, or, you know, this is so blank or this is that. And, um, and so every time I come up with like a hurdle where it's just like, just as you thought this couldn't get any worse, like, you know, I can't believe this is happening. I would actually say this phrase that I've said so often, which is how fascinating. And this is a trick I got from Ben Zander, who wrote The Art of Possibility. And, and it comes from this idea that when we just judge and criticize the situation, it doesn't help us. It doesn't help us problem solve. It's like, this utterly sucks. Like, absolutely. I'm 100% right. This is a terrible situation. But what am I going to do about it? And so I teach my students how to use the statement, how fascinating, to sort of stop that stimulus response yeah. to go from um, so that I'm not just judging that I'm actually able to say, okay, like, what are my options? What do I need? So I can stay solution focused and staying solution focused for me meant staying in that place of asking myself what and how questions. So what do I need? What are my options? How can I handle this? Every time I hit a roadblock, how can I do it differently? Like I was trying to get my dad on hospice um, and hospice had normally, if you call hospice, they come the next day. Uh, it was like a five, four day wait list uh, to get to hospice and even trying to get a doctor to like put him on hospice was impossible. And there was just no access to medicine and, and people weren't showing up and long lines with masks on. I mean, it was just uh, how fascinating after how fascinating. Um, and then two more tools that I just think are really simple, but really powerful that helped me. So in addition to sort of interrupting that judgment cycle mm -hmm. and staying in a what and how place was um, uh, that 
I was able to really keep myself focused on being in the present moment because I'm very aware of the role of future thoughts. So there's judgment thoughts, judging yourself in the situation, but then there's my brain trying to go into all these worst case scenarios. So it's like, if he does survive this, um, you know, what is the long-term impact of him being hypoxic? Um, So he was, he suffocated. And so I, you know, there was like the like hope and prayer that he survives this, but then thinking about, well, what will that do? Will he have long-term brain damage that he was so low on oxygen for so long? So it's like kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, yes, if he survives, that would be like a prayer answered, but then that might have its own complicated. And then what if he passes away? And so, you know, I would lay there in bed and my brain would just go to these worst case scenario thoughts. And thanks to my training, I kind of knew how to say, thank you, brain, but we're not there yet. Like I'll cross that bridge when I get there. I can only do what's in front of me in this moment. So a lot of my working through positive psychology tools helped me stay in the moment and Mm -hmm. just sort of say, what's in front of me right now? My mindfulness practice, all my meditation training. It's like, what do I hear, see, smell, taste, touch? right now right here in front of me um, because I had sent his um, his life partner you know away it was just the two of us I was part his primary caretaker and you know I needed to, I needed to be able to act and what does fear make us want to do it makes us want to run um, mm-hmm. and there was nowhere to run and, and I wasn't gonna run right so like I needed to show up um, so that's the second tool is just being able to really practice mindfulness and when your brain wants to worry just sort of say I'll handle it I'll cross that bridge when I get there mm-hmm. and the third is a tool that I've been using um, for the past couple of years, and it's a it's a mind body uh, medicine tool from my perspective, or a psychosensory practice, and it's something called havening. And havening is actually the use of touch to downregulate the nervous system in real time. And by understanding how the brain encodes trauma, we could actually stop it from encoding in real time, but also use it to process um, past traumas as well. And so one of the things that I was able to do, gratefully. Um, was that I was able to use touch and the havening touch is just being able to stroke the side of the arms, stroke the forehead. Yep. So crossing my elbows, yep. Crossing elbows, uh, crossing arms across your chest so that you're touching the top of your shoulders and then you stroke shoulder to elbow and shoulder to elbow. Like if you were rubbing up and down because you're cold trying to warm yourself up, but here you're just going down with your hands. And And the other one is- Nice and slow, yep. So it's usually at a temple at down, mm. down, down. And what this does is it releases a delta brainwave frequency, and you could do it on the arms. You can also do it across the forehead, or you can do it across your palms. And there's lots of great um, tutorials and videos uh, for free on YouTube called, when you just look up the word havening, H-A-V-E-N-I-N-G. Yeah. Um, and that tool was just so tremendously useful. I mean, if only I had it with my previous uh, losses mm-hmm. of some of the traumatic events, although I, I did actually use it. Um, I also happen to have... I've had other other traumatic opportunities to use havening. I'll, I'll leave it at that and just focus on 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 the one with my dad. But mm-hmm. I will say that what havening did for me in the moment was one, um, I was able to haven him. So mm-hmm. you know, here he is. He's 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 not able to breathe, and and he has this. You know, he's just there's a look of fear in his eyes. He's laying down. Um, I, you know, by the time I, I couldn't get the doctor there until Saturday morning. It's like ten o'clock on Friday night, and I know that unless I'm calling nine one one, I have no other option. So I would use my healing touch to just sort of stroke the side of his arms and stroke his face and sort of, uh, even though I had to have gloves on and my mask because of COVID, um, able to give him that soothing touch. And then 
I was able to use this psychosensory therapy to prevent my brain from encoding in this trauma. And, and I'm so grateful that I know a lot of really wonderful practitioners and the more tools we have, the more we can mm. live masterfully um, and to kind of show up in the world the way that we want to, which was, you know, the very basic principle of what I was taught by Dr. Srikumar Rao in, in his course is that, you know, can we show up in the world the way we want to? And mm. these are some of the this different skills that have helped me navigate that, um, even though there have been countless others. Mm. You mentioned you have put together a webinar series called Prevent um, Being Traumatized by COVID-19. I just think that's so remarkable given the, the experiences that you've had with your father. Do you think that teaching other people um, these t- tools of how to get through this time has helped the healing process in a way and the grieving process for you? Oh, such an interesting question. Um, you know, for me, teaching and sharing what I know um, just comes so naturally that I, um, I, I don't know if I could say that it's like started or or um, or kind of or accelerated my my uh, grieving. The you know the pandemic as difficult it is as it has been uh, for so many reasons for me. It's also been incredibly. Uh, rewarding to to actually have like I have had all these skills to help people but now people are so hungry and they're in so much mm. pain for it so I think that uh, not just this this program but I would say probably more the better than before program that I've been running um, creating content every single day for the past uh, five months wow. has been um, it, it's been for me it's just been it's a great source of creativity and it's also a great support for me because for me to be able to give back um, um, definitely gives to me exponentially. And I was, you know, my, my people knew that like I, um, I continued those classes like with my dad in the other room. Um, I was teaching them online and even the day he died and the next day, you know, I showed up and, and I let my community support me as much as I was supporting them. Um, and wow, my spirituality is, is so important yeah, and I was and I was real with it, you know. I cried and then you know let the tears out, and then we did a dance and did a moment of silence for him. And you know, I know that my dad would have wanted us to, you know, have the conversation and have the class that we were meaning to have. And and I and I know the difference between um, when I'm spiritually bypassing, where I'm like kind of ignoring versus and not and being busy and stopping myself from feeling. Um, I think because of my experiences with my brother and with my mom, like I can know the difference. Um, one of the people I turn to for some, for support is actually a somatic dance therapist. And um, just a f- you know, a few months after my my dad died, I I reached out to her and I was like, I, I think I need to do weekly sessions with you because I think I'm doing well. I'm pretty sure I'm doing mm-hmm. well, but I want to make sure that I'm not fooling myself or deluding myself. That I really want to make sure I have the time carved out in my week um, that I'm just focusing on receiving in this way. And um, I practice a lot of self care. And that's, you know, you talk about self-care. Um, what, are, what are some of the most practically helpful activities that you've found that people can do for their own um, well-being? Oh, gosh. I think the most important ones are movement, from my perspective, exercise, physical activity. Um, 
mindfulness, uh, just really training the brain. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I suck at my meditation practice. I've thoroughly sucked at it for the past, gosh, how many years now? Um, since I was 18. So what am I now? 16. Past 18 years, yeah. I've really <laughs> sucked at the practice, but I keep practicing. And I think that that's part of it is you just keep showing up um, and that you use the practice to sort of help you be in the present moment. Um, and gratitude, spending a lot of time focusing on what are you grateful for um, are some of the simple strategies that I think are really practical. And um, you can't can't downplay the power of actually, like it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to mm. actually move your body. And there's research shows that not exercising is almost like taking a depressant in terms of yeah. the impact it makes to your well-being. Mindfulness is just, you know, I've already say, you know, what is it all about? It's it's that, you know, can we really experience this moment and not be yeah. living in the past and not be projecting into the future? Mm. And gratitude is the ability to dial up your own positive emotions whenever you need them because there's always something to be grateful for even amidst the tragedy, amidst the pain, amidst the unknown. Wow, I love that. I those three practical takeaways that, uh, of getting through this time better than before: exercising, being present, and practicing gratitude. That's what I'm taking away from it. I want to be respectful of your time, so could we do three quick hits and just finish uh, this sentence? Yeah. These sentences for us. Resilience is the capacity to bounce back better. Hmm. resilience improves by mm, resilience improves by committing to treating mental emotional physical and social skills as a skill that can be taught and practiced awesome love it and human potential is unlimited Come on. Love it. <laughs> Mic drop. I think we're ready for Rory's rap. Rory, are you ready for Rory's rap? I'm always ready for Rory's rap. <laughs> you know, you should, I should know that by now. No, Amelia, thank you so much for your, um, for sharing so honestly with us, you know, like yeah. you, you cannot have scripted the year that you've had and, mm. and, you know, more broadly the, the journey you've had, like you've gone through more, at your age than I think most people do in a lifetime. Um, but what I find so impactful is just how much you truly live what you study and what you teach, mm. you know, like you embody all of those positive psychology and mind body medicine um, tools and strategies in the most challenging of circumstances, you know, like I can only imagine what it was like, um, being with your father in those those last few days, um, and and feeling what you were feeling and all the range of emotion and and allowing yourself to truly show up and to be present and to hold all of those conflicting feelings um, in space together, you know, and actually create space to feel everything and and to process everything and. You know, I think you know, it's been a hard year for many people around the world and, and it's, you know, there's so much uncertainty ahead, but I really think that your example speaks to the value of investing proactively in 
the mental skills and the self-care strategies that will be with us that we can draw upon in the most challenging times. And, you know, like we often, we often talk about mental skills and, and things like that, but I just really, I really believe that the, it, the mind is something that we can train and um, the more that we actually front load these mental skills and strategies, the more prepared we'll be to respond to the unfolding kind of unknown in any given moment, any given circumstance and, and to really be there for ourselves and for others in the best way that we can with what we've got at the time. Um, so thank you for your work and for sharing um, what you've shared with us and the practical strategies that we can utilize to be better than before and, you know, to navigate our way through um, any situation. And I, as you said at the end, their human potential is unlimited. And I think our, our potential for resilience is unlimited, you know, like we're capable of um, getting through so much more difficulty and, and challenging times than we allow ourselves to, to believe. And with the help of those skills that you've shared with us, I think we can all continue to build our own resilience and, and toolkit that we can draw on to to be who we want to be in the world so mm. thanks for your time and if we can um so i definitely recommend people check out your youtube series on not being traumatized by the pandemic um, and also the flourishing center where your um, all of your your courses and certifications and positive psychology can be found and you know there's, I don't think there's anyone more qualified in the in the world of applied positive psychology than you to be to be teaching this stuff. So if you're interested in positive psychology, definitely check out um, the Flourishing Center and Amelia's great work. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Thank you for thank you for having me on, and thank you to everybody listening. And honestly, it's just it's an honor to share this crazy life or world of mine. <laughs>